For your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 352 of This Old Marketing for December 1st. 2022, December 1st. Can you believe it? It's already here. And with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and let's be honest, the only guy who doesn't believe that Bob Iger won't sell Disney to Apple, Mr. Joe Polizzi. You know, just because there's been news released this week on that very topic doesn't mean that I'm wrong. It doesn't mean you're right either. (laughs) For those people that, do we even have to talk about it? Because no, we don't. We definitely we, don't. I mean, although the 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 Twitterverse, um, even though I'm not on Twitter anymore, I'm actually monitoring Twitter because there are so many wonderful, kind people who are doing things like giving us shout outs. I don't know if you've seen, by the way, all the people sharing their Spotify wrap up. Isn't that something? Um, and how many podcasts? How many how many lists we're on for people that are sharing this stuff? I'm first of all, I was. It's been shared all over the place. I've seen it on Facebook and LinkedIn, and they do the yeah. here's, here's what the concerts all like. All this stuff is crazy. And first of all, brilliant move to do that to create oh, it's a such, shareable it's so image. Smart, such smart marketing because people yeah. want us. People, this is what people stand for. This is what I listen to. And I I don't listen to Spotify, but I was thinking about what mine would be. Mine would be like Red Hot Chili Peppers, Limp Bizkit, and Barry Manilow. Like it would be <laughs> something so odd. Yeah. Well, uh, that was mine. That I, I so I did mine. Um, I didn't share it on social media, but I did mine. And my my number one artist was Kate Bush, uh, followed by Duran Duran, followed by uh, some country. Uh, it was Willie Nelson, and then followed by uh, like some other eighties band. The 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 band that did um, uh, Flock of Seagulls. Oh, gosh, what the heck is their name? Um, the Cure, Life Life in a Northern Town. You remember that song? Yes, I don't know the name of the the group. Yeah, some obscure. and it was basically my genres were '80s music, and they called it new wave, of course, new wave, country, and then like uh, new age music because I listen to a lot of these. Uh, like while I'm working, there are these sort of they're called binaural beats, which is just like tones to tune your brain to focus and stuff. Really? And I, I listen to that. Wow. Yeah, it's really cool. So let me ask you this but, about but, Kate Bush. Is this were you listening to Kate Bush before Stranger Things came out and made? Oh my it, gosh, yes. I'm a, I've been a fan okay. since 1980. I didn't know if you were yeah. just listening to Running Up That Hill. Oh, replay. God, no, no, no. Which, no, by no. the way, I mean, in if fact, you, that's probably the last song I would listen to of hers. I mean, I. But yeah, it's odd if you I go mean, into if you go into any hot album. topic in any mall around the country, they are playing Running Up That Hill. I mean, it's yes, it's fascinating yeah, to it's me huge. that Stranger it, it was Things lovely to this. see her get the recognition of after all these years because um, she's definitely a, a niche artist um, you know but people I will tell you people who are fans of Kate Bush are passionate about oh, Kate bet. Bush I mean it's not like casual you don't have a lot of casual Kate Bush fans let's put it that way so back to your, you know, let's just wrap up this thing. We probably won't have to talk about it for a few episodes. But last episode, since Bob Iger's taking over again at Disney, I again 
came back with this conspiracy theory that Apple right. would be purchasing Disney at some point because it was, you know, there there was some notion that Bob Iger and Steve Jobs had a conversation about this in the past. Well, there was an article in the L.A. Times that came out, which fake news, any L.A. publication, <laughs> fake right. news right off the bat. Right. Uh, said Absolutely. 100%. That, that <laughs> apparently somebody asked Bob Iger his first day in office uh, whether or not this was there was some truth to this. And Bob Iger said pure speculation. Now, you have to take that with a grain of salt because there's been a lot of M&A deals that have happened from pure speculation. But sure. But from what we know right now, it seems like a long shot. I just don't. Here's the th- take take away all the financial economic arguments for a moment to me i buy the argument that Iger was bored and felt like it wasn't getting done properly the management of disney wasn't getting done properly this by the way to your excellent point on the last episode when you know you go back and look at the history of disney this has happened you know, three, four, yeah. five times in the they history. They just do this as a culture. They just do yeah. this. But it's usually because the old CEO looks at the new CEO and goes, you're not doing it right. Let me come in and fix it. And the board goes, oh, yeah, cool. Let's do that. And so to me, his, he wants to set a legacy here. He wants to go out on a high note. And I don't think that he would see the high note being selling the company off to a bigger organ. I just don't see that as his as he him wanting yeah. that to be his legacy. I would see his legacy wanting to be like he did something big like break up the company or, you know, make it, you know, turn it into a profit machine, you know, whatever it's it, some big thing that he can go, that's my feather in my cap and now I'm riding off into the sunset. I could I totally can see where you're going with that because it is sort of like a wah, wah, if he just comes in and yeah. sells and and makes all the shareholders a lot of money. Kind of ruins his whole thing right i mean it ruins his it it, not ruins but but it would basically be him coming in to end disney basically and i don't think he wants that to be his you know like the last ceo of disney is bob Iger, and 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 then he sold it i I I don't know yeah i see where you're going i don't think that would would ever happen because the disney brand is so strong i mean it doesn't matter if it's independent or not it's just like star wars and marvel continue on even though they're owned, you know, you could, you could. Right, but who's the CEO of Marvel, right? There isn't one, really. I mean, there's a general manager that may have the title of chief something or other, but it, basically they report up to the Ms. You know, Marvel. I thought it was Ms. Marvel. Ms. Marvel is the Ms. Marvel. Ms. Marvel. There you go. Is, yeah. And then, and then, uh, C3PO runs <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> something by the way we're all over on tangents here i did start andor based on your recommendation oh my uh, but God. i i have to watch it with with adam my youngest and i we only were able to watch one episode so but we're gonna watch it during break so i'm gonna get to it okay so here's the thing here's my recommendation for the rest of it yeah. because i guarantee you you walked out of the first episode going that's what everybody's. No, no, no. I already on. knew. You already, you already told me to, to okay. basically get to episode three, four, and it'll really start to churn. Correct. Do, do make a make a date for you and the kid, and sit down and watch two, three, and four, like as a binge, 
Like it, it'll be, okay. it'll be like watching a movie. Yeah. It, it, it's and so watch that as a movie and get through four, and then you're in. I guarantee it. Okay. I, I will. I will absolutely do that. So, anyways, uh, we we're gonna we're gonna stop talking about the Disney thing for a while. I ju- and I just want to mention this because I've been so down. I actually talked with somebody yesterday that said, "I love your podcast with Robert, but please enough with the football." So here I'm going to talk about football here for a second. I was at. I mean, I mean, I was at the you game. Know, this, this, that's not stopping. It's right? not going to stop. We just know that that's not from October through January. It there's going to be there's football going to be talk. football. I have to tell you, it doesn't happen very often. But I, I was at the game. I was right in front of the the, t- the tying touchdown. They played the Buccaneers. They yeah, did Brady. Great game. It was fourth and ten. And David Njoku caught a one-handed grab in the end yep. zone to tie it Beautiful. up. It was amazing. I we I've seen that happen against the Browns a hundred times, and I've never really seen the Browns do it. It it was amazing to be part of that. So it was a wonderful game. I was very pleased for you and the Browns. A and, good send off for Jacoby Brissett, who seems like a really nice person. Who probably will never oh, they play not again? Let him lose this job. I, I, this is uh, yeah. Hurt. I mean, it's the Browns thing of all Browns things. But you know, it, I mean, he's earned that job. He, they should just sit him until not sit Brissett, sit um, uh, Watson. What's his name? No, even well, even though they paid him two hundred and thirty million dollars, yes, you should sit, sit him, him for the rest of the season. That. Let him practice. Let him get back and you know warmed up. You know whatever you're going to do, sit him the rest of the season. Brissett has more than earned that starting position. And can do. I mean, look. Let's. This is not a championship team. Let's be honest. But Brissett has more than earned that starting position. Use it to get him amazing and whatever record is going to be. Maybe into the playoffs. There's still a shot for that. And then sit that. Uh, you know, the the other one until the next year. That's uh, well, anyway. I, I, I think that coach the Browns. Jacoby now, has had a great year for Jacoby. But I was talking yeah, to my friend Jim a, about this. He's got this. a ceiling for sure. I was yeah. talking to my friend Jim about this. And because I was saying, you know, Jacoby, deserves a, like what you're saying, deserves a shot. Really, really good. But Jim said, and I totally agree with this. He said, two plays. It's always two plays a game. It's two plays he doesn't make or, you know, two mistakes, big mistakes that we can't afford and we end up losing the game. He's not an elite quarterback. Not, for and sure. that's where. And there's no doubt that's about where it. But we, the team isn't elite this but year. That, but I'm just, well, we don't know that. We don't know. I mean, they the defense last week was amazing. If you get different, who you don't know you if you in different circumstances. Well, fair enough. All right, fair. I enough. don't know yes, if they're try. when they keep the defense on the field so much. You know, they and every team gets wrecked. So I don't know. Who knows? It was just fun to enjoy that. Yeah, it was really it was, good. I almost it felt like really a good. Dallas Cowboys fan for just one second. Yeah, so that was nice. <laughs> My team is doing fairly yeah, well. Yes, you're, you're doing you're doing a good job. So thank you. All right. So uh, what do we got? We got a show. Yeah, yeah. We got a show. We're going to talk more about the. Uh, I guess you know shitstorm would be the 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 way to describe it. Dumpster fire. Dumpster maybe fire. Is describe a good one. it of Twitter. Um, just a few other developments that have happened since we you know talked about it at some length last week. But a new breaking article that just came out they actually are trying to write blog posts now and we'll talk a little bit about that about you know where where things are with that um 
post news, a new Twitter alternative that I'm seeing a lot of yeah. folks in our sort of friends and family sign up for gets big funding. And we'll talk about the viability of the new Twitter alternative to talk about news on social media. And then we'll talk a little bit more about social media uh, with Pinterest and how they have now ended their creator rewards program. And is this the, does this portend the things of larger things to come? Uh-huh. Um, I am going to then rant a little bit. Uh, uh, well, I guess it's more commentary than a rant um, on a new uh, media company, uh, really a production company being started by Ben Affleck and a number of other artists um, that are looking to make create content creators out of all of them. And then, Joe, you're going to uh, you're going to talk a little bit about what is it you're going to do? I'm, I I just wrote my one hundredth newsletter oh that's right of the random you're and we're going to do something real special yes. you're very yeah, very we're going to do something real special it's interactive you're involved and and i'm going to read a little snippet but i don't know which part because it's really up to you so that's where i'm oh all this right is, this is okay. very very exciting well, i, I can't wait for that yeah, exactly well let's jump into it um and get to it and so we're going to pair like three stories together uh, and talk about Twitter because there's a lot, as it were, going on with the social network. The headline, which of course is being covered by uh, a number of um, uh, mainstream media outlets, but we're going to link to the Ad Age article, which is that Twitter analytics staff has been decimated by layoffs and resignations. Uh, the departure raises questions about whether the platform can actually track audiences and brand safety. Uh, you're going to notice a theme here about the brand challenges here. Layoffs and resignations, says the article, including a wave over Thanksgiving weekend, have decimated the insights and analytics team at Twitter, according to people familiar with the matter, leaving questions about who's still around to handle audience measurement and brand safety issues. The departures are among thousands that have reduced Twitter's workforce by more than half since Elon Musk took control of the social platform last month. That is coupled with a story that we will uh, cover and link to from uh, the International News Media Association, the INMA. And basically, they're talking about the Twitter verification reboot, as it were, which has happened over the last week. This crisis, as it says, puts brands, not necessarily traffic, at risk. That article opens up by saying the ongoing dumpster fire, well, there they called it, since Elon Musk took over at Twitter, has exposed leading brands, including some news publishers, to the risk of serious brand damage. However, several senior editors told me, this meaning the, the, the author of this article, that they're less worried about the damage to the traffic since Twitter while immensely popular with journalists and a big source of breaking news, was relatively insignificant as a contributor to digital engagement. Twitter is a platform in flux, with many leaving for alternatives, and we get an infinitesimal amount of traffic from it, said one North American news leader. And basically, the article there basically says the risks to brand are significant, with major brands finding imposters that are now verified as real with the blue badge and a white tick on Twitter since Musk took over. And they have since rebooted that whole thing, and we can talk about that. And then last but not least, and this is like chef's kiss, beautiful, wonderful, Mashable has just released an article. This is definitely a must read. Um, The headline of the article, literally breaking as we're recording this, Twitter has released a bunch of spin about its ongoing Elon Musk-led garbage fire, says the headline of the Mashable article. And I just have to read the first paragraph here because it's so wonderful. 
Uh, the article opens up by saying, Twitter has published a blog post, and because I'm a tech reporter, cursed with the ability to understand English, I have to read it. Unsurprisingly, it is filled with empty platitudes that in no way reflect the well-reported reality of the current situation at Twitter. And it goes on to talk more about that garbage fire that uh, that is Twitter right now. And the blog post itself is entitled Twitter 2.0, Our Continued Commitment to the Public Conversation by Twitter. And it goes on to talk about how it's the town square of the internet, and we've always understood that we have to give everybody the power to create and share ideas, and blah, 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 a lot of lot of PR talk here, which is strange, because I, I thought all the PR people were gone. So it's written by someone, <laughs> I don't know who, uh, certainly not Elon, but... Um, yeah, what do you think about all this? I mean, this it just the, the the news continues to roll. I can understand why brands are concerned. Obviously, your approach to take a pause is probably what most brands are doing because brands need predictability and consistency and they're not getting any of that at Twitter right now because it's almost like I mean, you've been a part of a couple of these launches where you do a beta test and you do a close, you know, you do like an alpha and then a beta or a closed beta or whatever. Where changes are, you're making these changes in front of a small group of people, and then you can get feedback and then quickly iterate, and then that's how you know software gets created today. But they're doing this with 200 million people on the platform and making these changes ad hoc, depending on how Elon is feeling during the day, and that's why you're seeing all this. And I think it's it, it's scary with the, and I know they're changing the new verification program, but what happened to Eli Lilly, and I think there was another one, Northrop Grumman was another one that they, yep. they did the fake uh, verification check mark and all, you know, heck broke loose with that one. So there's, there's some big concerns that I don't think Elon thought would be an issue, but, but here we are. Now, I'm going to take the flip side on this one. If you are uh, not, one of those brands that uh, are venerable, that have been around forever, that you really care about um, how these things affect you, and you're a small company, because there's less, theoretically, less people creating content like you, Robert, you could have an opportunity right now if you believe that Twitter's here to stay. And, and you get a little bit more of that share of attention because a lot of people have dropped back because there's a lot of everybody like you are, everybody's still watching. We're we're still want to view the dumpster fire. We still want to see what happens. So I think there might be an opportunity there. Well, that's a, yeah, that's a, it's, it's, it's interesting because I actually talked a little bit about that this week in my, in my weekly post, which is finding the, finding your niche audience within the noise. Right. You know, so when things are, really popular and the mob is outside, there is an opportunity to go out into the mob. And instead of trying to feed the mob with more popular content, you can actually uh, find your niche audience in there a little more easily, right? It's easier to spot the outliers that do fit your target and yep. bring them into your fold. And so you're absolutely right. The, the competition for high quality, good content is probably as low as it's ever been because a lot of those high quality people have left. Um, and I've seen some people. I think that's too. a really interesting. I think that's a really interesting point, which is there may be an opportunity if and but but it does predicate believing what you just said, which is that Twitter will survive. Do you buy the argument? Let me ask you this: I've been hearing a lot of people talk about the argument that what Elon is doing is actually purposeful 
because what he's trying to do is drive down the perceived value of the company so much that the banks want to just sell him the debt at pennies on the dollar so that he can buy back all that debt and basically take the entire company private with no debt. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I don't know what I, I mean, I don't know if I can believe any of this. I mean, you, we were talking, uh, you know, we were on a, a webinar yesterday together where I pitched the idea that I think it might ultimately be a digital payments platform because right. of the fact that Twitter as a media company, a media business model cannot survive. Can't That's survive right. the debt. Definitely. I mean, they could quadruple their revenue and profit right now and still they wouldn't have enough to grow into that valuation. That's right. So w- what is it going to be? And we're, I, who knows? Who, who? I mean, he might be working on, he might be an evil genius. He might not be an idiot. He might be, he might have a second. I don't know if he does. I thought that I still look at this as his little pet project that he was bored. He was bored. I mean, as exciting as things are happening at Tesla and the boring company and SpaceX, that the man was bored and was like, let's do this. I like this. I like getting all this attention. I want this as my right. pet project and who cares what happens to it. So as long as he can service the debt and doesn't go under with it, he can do whatever he wants with it. Right. And, and that to me is just as equally as plausible because there's been other reporting from other employees, ex-employees at SpaceX, Tesla, uh, not haven't seen anything from the boring company necessarily, but that have said that Elon is really in over his head at this point in those companies where he doesn't really understand the engineering or the things that are happening. They're just, they're not things that he can control or, or really understand. Mm -hmm. And so this would make sense then that those companies are largely running without his direction in most cases. And so this would be something that would be literally the, you know, when the, when, when I was a kid, my parents would buy me toys, but I basically would pull all the pots and pans out of the drawer and bang on the pots and pans. Those were my toys that I preferred. It was, you know, it's that kind of thing, right? You get, you know, you have a three-year-old in the middle of the kitchen and they don't play with the trucks or the car set or the, you know, blocks that you buy them. They pull out the pots and pans and start using the wooden spoons to make drums out of the pots and pans. That's kind of what he's doing with Twitter. You know, look it. If you, if you look at this rationally, and if you believe that some of these short-term reactions won't won't completely kill Twitter, it's not a horrible idea to lay off 90% of your staff and see what breaks. You don't know. He well, doesn't if you know. Don't care if he's that, willing to make that... If you don't care that... So the, to make that work, you have to believe that you can service the debt, right? In other words, you have to believe that you're going to service the debt yourself or that something good is going to happen very quickly because you can't break something to the point of pulling out half the revenue and have well, the banks own the debt and force you into bankruptcy. Well, take the yeah. revenue side. Let's just look at all the shenanigans that are going on at Twitter right now. So yeah. he wants to make quick decisions, right? Of course, that's all he's doing is making uh, decisions from the hip. You, you don't, he doesn't know. He doesn't know the inner workings of Twitter. He doesn't know all the politics. He doesn't know anything. To find that out, you need at least six months, probably more, to f- and many, many meetings and a lot of time to figure that out. He doesn't want he doesn't want to take that time. So what do you do? Right. You get rid of almost everybody. And then now we're seeing in real time what's breaking. So he's shortening that cycle. Now, 
again, we could we could make a a case that that's horrible and it's killing the brand of Twitter and he's losing advertising. But put that to the side for a second. He's he's got so much information that he would not have had had he waited. So from that standpoint, he's able to move much quicker on some of these things than he would have been before. That's that's my case. If if you like that kind of management, which I don't. I'm not for that kind of management. I like to have meetings. I like to talk to people. I like to get, you know, get the sentiment overall what's going on. I don't just want to say you're all gone and then you wait a week and see what happens. What breaks? So we're seeing that in real time. It's not an unheard of strategy. It's not. You're 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 right there, but you know, I, not a safe again, strategy. I come back yeah. to the simplest answer is probably the 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 right one. I just don't see this as some sort of complex <laughs> somebody said it well i don't know who it was that said it but they said elon always wants to make you think that he's playing chess when he's playing you know checkers but he's actually just you know trying to get blocks into a square hole right i mean it's 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 not the simplest answer is probably the easiest and most correct which is he doesn't know what he's doing it's so funny. My my youngest used to adore Elon, and then really started to look into how his companies were built, and found out that I mean, and, le- and all this was done legally. But most of the uh, the cash that Tesla and some of the other companies were able to accumulate came from government grants, government subsidies. And he said, if without the government, Elon wouldn't have been able to build any of this stuff. And I said, well, I'm okay. Right. That's fine. A lot of people do that. He's playing by the rules. He's getting the grants. There's nothing yeah, of wrong course, with that. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. So, you know, and people have to say that he wasn't necessarily the mastermind behind PayPal either. That Peter Thiel, I think you mentioned this on one of the shows before, that was anxious to get him out of there. So, yeah. I don't know. Whatever. It's just, it, yeah, it is a dumpster fire. We are watching it real it time. Will, it's, very, it, it's very interesting. Uh, just like I think so, I, we talked about this before, like, uh, you know, Elon's all excited that so many people are active on the platform and somebody else responded to to this and said, yeah, if, you know, my when my house is on fire, all my neighbors come to watch it. Yeah. I get a lot of attention <laughs> right. when my house is on fire. That's right. Yeah. That's what we're saying. Well, interestingly, and this gets us to this nice segue to our to our next story here. One of the things that could threaten his ability to turn this thing around is that People are finding viable alternatives. Um, certainly, I've been experimenting a bit with Mastodon and enjoying that very much, I have to say. It feels very much like the early days of Twitter, um, with some notable exceptions, which I won't go into here. But the second thing is that there's a new company. We talked about it at one point, the launch of it yep. anyway, at, on the show, um, called Post News. Uh, but it's getting a lot of traction. And the headline we'll link to is from TechCrunch. Uh, and basically, they got some money. Post News, a Twitter alternative, gets funding from A16Z, which, by the way, A16Z, I believe, was a big supporter of Twitter as well. So they was seem to be hedging their bets. Was A16Z involved in any of this FTX stuff? They seem to have slid around that. Yeah, oh, I think so. I, 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 I'm sure they had. I'm sure they had something in, in it, somewhere. but there's some. Uh, well, there's so much hinkiness with that whole yeah, thing. Yeah, I, I mean, see Mr. Wonderful's been going, you know, from Shark Tank. He's going down with this because he had a big investment and ate a lot of people. Huge did. investment, yeah. yeah. That's crazy. He's not Mr. Wonderful yeah, that, anymore. That kid fooled everybody. I mean, he, 
that's a whole. Well, as, I didn't see any. I mean, as as we record this, I didn't see any of it. But I believe he was live on uh, what is it, Good Morning America or whatever. I don't know. Somebody did a, a live interview with. Uh, it's. I think it's the New York Times. Oh, is that what it was? It? Okay. Yeah. And and everyone was commenting on it, like, why isn't this guy in jail? I. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Right. Well, you got to figure. His lawyers were like, "Yeah, now's not the time for you to do a keynote, my friend." Um, but it's so. I, I think the the thing that I saw in uh, CoinDesk, it said something like, "He's down. He's completely broken. Has one credit card left." Right. Well, that wasn't. I mean, I'm sure his funds have been. I, I would think that the bankruptcy uh, judge has frozen his account. Oh, I, I, I would. Think. I would hope. Yeah. I I would hope yeah. so. But wow, this is a. I mean, he was one of the top 100 wealthiest people on paper, at least, in the world. And now not yeah. not, And now not that. The opposite. He's on the opposite side of that. Well, they, the fascinating, I've heard a wild statistic that said basically, you know, Bear Stearns during the 2008-2009 crisis went down in a week. Uh, and FTX went down in a week. But the difference is, is that, F, that Bear Stearns had been around for 30 years and FTX had been alive for three yeah and it's 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 just a it's just an incredibly supernova story although it we we mentioned this a few weeks ago it it is worth saying that the money involved the money involved in this is absolutely significant but it's nothing like what happened during the great recession nothing none of a lot of it is a lot of it is our valuations not very small i mean the entire market capitalization of the cryptocurrency market is like 600 billion dollars right i mean so it's it's that's a big number, but when you look at it, I mean, it's one percent of the entire financial system. Not so big. So, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Anyway, back to our story on news. Uh, Post news. Uh, the article opens up by saying it seems like Post News launched overnight. Well, it because it's kind of did. Unlike Mastodon, Hive, social, or other existing social networks being flooded with dissatisfied Twitter users, Post News has emerged within the last two weeks. The platform was rushed into a live beta since its team wanted to go public in a time when the chaos of Elon's leadership was front and center. And Post News has had some similar basic functions to Twitter. You make posts, you like and repost other people's posts, and you follow interesting accounts. Yet in its beta stage, it still lacks basic functions like direct messaging, a native app, and accessibility features like adding alt text to images, sparking concerns for some users, the company has said. Um, Post News is trying to capitalize on the virtual water cooler for journalists side of Twitter. The platform describes itself as a place to access premium news content without subscriptions or ads. News publishers and independent writers are encouraged to share their articles on Post News under a paywall. The idea is that this would allow users to pay micropayments, basically, for individual articles from a variety of news sources. It's an alternative or a supplement to paying for individual subscriptions to a specific news source. I have not signed up for an account yet, um, but uh, I know some people who have who are enjoying it very, very much. Um, And I heard an interview uh, with... uh, uh, with the CEO, who is the former CEO of Waze, by the way, the, the the traffic app, and it sounds really interesting. I don't know what you think. I signed up. I'm on the waiting list. I'm two hundred and one thousand. Uh, it seems like a lot. Uh, I'm in a very long line, single file line to get in. So hopefully, I'll get some access to it, and we can have some feedback on what the heck's going on. It's interesting if you look at. What a Mastodon now they say has five hundred thousand users. You're one of them. Uh, yeah. Hive is up to one million. 
you've got this one that has a couple hundred thousand apparently and a, a huge waiting list. And it reminds me of, you know, this is early, early social when you had MySpace and Friendster and a thousand sure, other yeah, things yeah. launch. And this is, so we're, we're going through one of those phases. We just talked about this, you know, Disney goes through this phase. We're seeing this happen with these types of social apps where, and, and maybe Twitter is spurring this on, but I think you could make a case that we're seeing all these new apps come up. And then in four or five years, you'll see all this consolidation again. So who's the winner? So I think you got a, you know, you got a year or two of some of these companies to prove themselves and build an audience and monetize. I don't know. I mean, I, of course, I have to get into the whole post news thing, but the pay for the microtransaction subscription payment that they're looking at, the model, I'm intrigued with that model. Like if people are going to pay, for this microtransaction subscription, I don't even know what that looks like. I'm just reading the article here. I'm, I'm, yeah. I want to see what this is. If people will pay for this, uh, it looks like uh, the idea of this would allow users to pay for individual articles from a variety of news sources. So basically, you can, you have your feed that you can probably get a lot of free content, but then you pay for other people's content, right? That's what I'm reading. I don't know. That's right. Yeah, it's micropayments is 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 how they're going to monetize things where you don't have to one of the things that I've heard in the interview with the CEO which I thought was just a really interesting idea, you know, micropayments are certainly nothing new and have failed in 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 so many ways for uh for news and content oriented websites in the past. Um but what they've talked about may actually work because it's an aggregation of news sources. So it's not like you have to have a subscription to the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times or whatever, unless you actually read those things every day. For the more casual news consumer, you could pay a penny or five cents or whatever the, the, the take rate is for a particular story and get an article from a trusted news source like Wall Street Journal or New York Times or Washington Post or LA Times or whoever it is. And that means the publisher gets paid for their article. And he did some math during the interview that sort of how that worked out. I think it was one penny. I may get this number wrong, but I think he said one penny uh, or 10 cents. Maybe it was 10 cents. 10 cents for an article view is the same as a $10 CPM or something like that. Um, I'm not good enough with math to do that quickly in my head, but but that's interesting. That's an interesting model for sure where you can consume news in a trusted way from people who are who build trust by sharing good things because he talked about how your reputation and the algorithm would be tuned in a way that the more trust and shares you get uh, are equated to the amount of people. So if you start, you know, sharing stuff that isn't trusted or is notified as fake news or whatever, you'll first lose the ability for everybody to see your content. Then you'll lose the ability for your friends to see your content. And then ultimately you get, you know, sort of siloed off. It's, I think a very fascinating way to, to build in. And the verification process is, you know, you actually have to go verify yourself and those sorts of things. I think it's really interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what happens. Just you know, as we close this one up, back to Twitter, you could see a model like that working on Twitter, where it's not pay for how many followers you have or just pay a monthly fee. You could just pay for the number of like a posts that you have. Say one to ten is free. You know, any more than that, 
you're on this subscription level of nine bucks a month. Any more than that, I mean, that would cut down on a lot of spam if you had to pay for a post. Not replies. Just yeah. For, uh, anyways, the in this type of a social network model, to your point, I think microtransactions may work. I think people might be yeah. open to it in 2023. So. Yeah, and and we'll see if it starts to bleed into B2B as well, because I've not ever been one of those users on social media, especially Twitter, to be, you know, I don't share much about politics or news or, you know, topical things that aren't related to marketing, et cetera. I pretty much use social media either as a very personal thing to share pictures of the beach or my family or whatever, or to be sharing articles around marketing stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I, I don't comment on politics or the elections or what's going on in the world like a lot of people do. Like a lot of people mix that up. So I think it's really a platform for those people, you know, those people who actually really enjoy getting into issues and debating and talking about them and, and all those kinds of things. I'll be very interested to see if not dissimilar from the way like Axios gets into subtopics like media and marketing and business, if we might start to see post news get into communities or subtopics around business issues, sports, et cetera, et cetera, where you could, you know, where you can basically build a following around very niche topics. That might be really the more interesting alternative to Twitter for folks like me. Yep. It, we'll see. It's definitely going to be. I don't know. I think it's ultimately going to be winner take all, but you're going to see a lot of these. Uh, I think that's yeah, right. I think for a while, we're going to see a bunch of new, we're going to probably have another one next week and another one in two weeks. And then you're going to see them fight yeah. off and, and see, and someone's going to gobble up another one and we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Last story before we get to uh, rants and raves really quickly here is around Pinterest, the social media network that gets no love these days. Uh, and Pinterest has decided to end its creator rewards program. Our apologies in advance. This is coming from the information, which is a you need to be a subscriber to actually read the whole article here. But we'll talk. And, about I'll, it and I'll, anyway. I've got one from social media today that's free and I'll put that in the show notes for people. as well. OK, great. So, yeah. So Pinterest is ending its creator rewards program, says the article, which offered cash bonuses when creators completed goals like hitting certain engagement metrics. Uh, the information here, being the publication, is the first to report this. Uh, it's the latest example of a social media company pruning initiatives designed to attract creators as tech companies rethink products in the face of an economic downturn. The digital scrapbooking service launched the test program with select creators about a year ago, and I think we actually covered it on the show. Uh, after the program's conclusion on Wednesday, it will pay a one-time bonus to creators in the program who participated in at least one, one reward goal in August, September, or October. A Pinterest spokesperson said that the company has declined to share how much it was giving away in bonuses, um, but it's ending the program nonetheless. I, I think this is less interesting around Pinterest than it is sort of the broader sort of turn yeah. away from content creator enablement that these social media networks are starting to uh, put into play? What What is your your content creator, content entrepreneur guy? What do you yeah, think Yeah, I mean, uh, real quick, just on Pinterest, you, you talk about it not getting any love. Uh, I talked with Kate All, who's speaking at Creator Economy Expo on Pinterest, and she says that Pinterest is the best way to drive leads for brand. Like, of course, she's pro Pinterest. I don't, I'm, on, I'm not on Pinterest, so I don't know. 
but there are a lot of people that are doing really well with Pinterest. Oh, um, sure. E-commerce brands oh, are yeah. crushing it's it. It's just, a, yeah. you know, if you're not in that space, you don't know. Your point right. is exactly where I would take this. Uh, the easy money that creators, I don't want to say it's easy, but the easier money that these creators were getting from the platforms is gone. Yeah. And it's not coming yeah. back for years. And, and all these creator awards programs are just to try to get these creators on the platform and hopefully they can get them to stick by learning to monetize themselves or some of the other programs that are out there. So I guess that's what you're going to see the end. This is going to be a domino effect. More and more, you're going to see Snapchat do it, TikTok, all their creator awards programs are all going to go away. Bye-bye. They're done. So because they don't need to do it. They don't need, they're getting those creators on the platforms anyways to build their audiences. And then it's up to the creator themselves to learn how to monetize as it always has we, been. You know, I think we're, we talked about this. We were the guest on a webinar, you and I, um, this week uh, for, uh, for, for Carlos Doherty's MarTech event. Um, and, you know, we talked about this 2022 perhaps being a pivotal year for how social media is going to be viewed. I think this is another data point or a waypoint in that. I really do believe that this year might be the tipping point for how a fundamental sort of sea change in the way that social media is seen. What do you, what do you think? I, yes, I, I think that you and I've talked forever about rented land and what, but nobody seem, ever yeah. seemed to listen. Yeah. It seems like people, but I mean, even a bigger sea change than that. Yeah. Right. I mean, um, well, what do you, what do you mean by sea? Ch- I mean, I absolutely, I think that but just in the, you know, you see the sort of disruption of TikTok, and, and I think I'm coming around to your point of view that TikTok is days are numbered from a, from a regulatory standpoint. So something fundamental has to happen there. Facebook slash Meta slash Instagram fundamentally changing into becoming content discovery platforms rather than sharing. And there's certainly pros debates to be had about the wisdom of that. Twitter going through its dumpster fire, new social media coming online with built around the idea of trust and closer networks. And perhaps the flip side of that coin is that even more tribal and in some ways than than the public quote unquote town square of some of the other programs. I'm I'm just I wonder if looking at all these things, social media used to be the platform that you would either go on to try and become an influencer or a content creator to build your entrepreneurial business on, and much to our, you know, sort of saying warnings and cautionary tales, don't build your house on rented land and all of that but now seem to be transforming. The entire idea of social media seems to be transforming into something else. I don't, I'm not smart enough to know what that something else is just yet, but it feels like, it feels to me like there's a fundamental change happening across the board, right? There's a disruption happening. I, I would agree with that. I just, to, to maybe what you just said, I'm not sure exactly what it is. We know for sure that yeah. social media is the communication between people seems to be going away in favor of content discovery. And TikTok has made that business model very clear. We know that's happening and we want an Instagram and Facebook are trying to copy that. So they're not promoting, Hey, we want you to communicate and comment or whatever. No, no. They just want to throw as much content as they can against you because that helps our business model. Done. 
So I don't know what right. that means. But then you have a whole like you know my my kids are they communicate via Snapchat all the time. That they're using that as a messenger service. I don't know what that means. I, yeah, I think we're in a, a definitely a transition period of what I mean. Well, specifically for creators, I mean, I more than ever before, I think you have to make sure that you have a business model in place where you don't rely on these things. That's yeah, my, that's the absolutely. thing that I'm scared about. When I talk to any creator, it's like, oh, you are over-reliant on YouTube or TikTok or whatever. I mean, I sent you that article, Becky Achen, who's – uh, one of our never-ending ticket holders for CEX, she sent an article. She she teaches at University of South Dakota, and they're not allowed to use TikTok be, as a government agency, as a university, as a government right. agency. Yeah. They basically, so we're starting to see this stuff happen. It's weird. A lot of nationalism yeah. is creeping in all over the place. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, in a way, more trust is getting built into it, but the way that that trust is getting built into it is to, in some ways, make us even more segmented from each other than before. Good, good point. Right? Not forcing us into the town square, forcing us into pockets of groups. And, and that, I think uh, your your point yesterday was that you know, 2023 is going to be the year of first-party data, and I sort yeah. of talked about, yes, that's why you, we're going to see this continuation of the email newsletter be more important than ever before, and the opt-in yeah. to these personalized content experiences. And email is where we have the most control right now, so that's where we're going. Yeah. Interesting. Fascinating. All right. Well, folks, it is now time for our rants and raves section. Before we get to those rants where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave that makes us feel like uh, Bob Iger or makes us feel like we're going to sell Disney to Apple. Before we get to that, you can get all the goodness of this wonderful podcast show notes, everything we talked about today. And Believe me, go visit the website for that Mashable article. It is, or just Google it if you want to. But um, go to the podcast show notes if you want. It's there. You should just do it. You can listen to any of the other 351 episodes that we've got on our wonderful website. That, of course, is thisoldmarketing.site. It couldn't be any simpler, thisoldmarketing.site. Of course, the Twitter questions, the Twitter stories, everything. I am still monitoring Twitter for those hashtags. Hashtag us up. Give us those story ideas. We need those story ideas. We love those story ideas. And yeah, yeah. there we go. Okay, so rants and raves. Do you want to yeah, go, let first? Me, let me go, go first? Let me go first. I have a very uh, quick this, commentary. So, but yeah, this you, is... So basically, I had the 100th edition of the random newsletter, as I've been producing this for almost three years now. That's my JoePolizzi.com yeah. newsletter. And I and I put in a number of 10 things. There's a 10 best ways to do this, this, and this. I want, I want to read one of them to you, but I want you to choose. So I'm going to give you some choices. You tell me which one you want me to read. All right? So okay. one is the 10 best ways to get content ideas. The 10 yeah. plus things... I actually want to do open-ended, whatever I want to do, the 10 must read books or series or something everyone should do for 10 days. What of those things do you want me to read on this show right uh, now? Uh, the, 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 the 10 book ideas. 10 book ideas. Okay. Ready? Here we go. Yeah. So not in any particular order, but take it for whatever it's worth. Number one, Stranger in a Strange Land, Robert Heinlein, best, greatest model in my um, a novel, in my opinion, ever. A Gentleman in Moscow, Amar Tolls, Project Hail Mary, Andy Weir, amazing sci-fi, way better than The Martian. Matthew Corbett, series of books from Robert McCammon, it's early 1700s mystery, can't recommend it highly enough. 
The Carl series from Hank Green. If you haven't read it, if you got kids, they'll love it as well. Amos Decker series, my favorite series from David Baldacci. It's the Memory Man series, worth the read. I like the Monkey Wrench series of books from PJ Tracy. It's an IT thriller. Uh, Ready Player One, of course, I know you like that one too. The Big Short, Michael Lewis. On Writing by Stephen King, the best book on writing that's ever been created, in my opinion. A Man Called Ove from Frederick Bachman, and you will cry if you read this, Robert. The Kate Burkholder series of books, it's from Linda Castillo, that's basically Amish suspense thrillers. <laughs> They're so good, though. And then Anything by Blake Crouch. So that's my list of books. You read one of those, it'll change your life. But uh, I don't know, have you any of those... Uh, you read some of those, I know. I don't know if you had. I've read most of That's those. That's amazing. I we have a lot think. of overlap there in our reading. Yeah, we do. I mean, you're a little more well-read when it comes to the science fiction stuff than I am. Um, but the Heinlein book, I mean, come on. I mean, Stranger in a Strange Land is that's if you have any interest in science fiction, that's you have you to have to read, read that. that. Yes, yeah, absolutely. That is so. If you haven't read it yet, required reading. And it's it's a very I guess you call it a chauvinistic book. It was written in the third 40 yeah early a long time yeah ago. i mean so, it's chauvinistic in the same way that james bond is chauvinistic in the same way that yes. you know basically lots of 50s and 60s books were for, for chauvinistic. that time but anyways okay so that's that's the thing and uh thank you to everyone i've been getting some great responses from the newsletter so thanks for everyone for their support and then i want to hear your you have a you have a rant uh, it's not really a rant. It's not. It's not really a rant. It's just. I, I just, just maybe some commentary here. I, I don't even know what it is really. I mean, just a news item really struck me, um, and it's about Hollywood. It's shocking. I know that I would talk about such things, but um, so Ben Affleck, um, who uh, is having a really good year. I mean, J Lo and the whole thing. I mean, he's having just a really. That's really all you have year to say. Just as opposed to me. some of the years he's had over the yeah. last couple, right? <laughs> COVID has been good for Ben Affleck. It's um, a good life. Just say J Lo. Yeah, done. it's a good I'm done. life. I mean, how do you how do you one up that? You can't. Yeah, I, you you don't. So. Marrying J Lo is a is a is a is a thing. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, the understatement um, of the year. Anyway, okay. he has pitched a new company called Artists Equity. Uh, as a new model to reward creators. And this is the what we'll link to in the show notes is from Axios. And the news article, as it says, is basically Ben Affleck has said Wednesday, meaning like literally this week, that the first project by his and Matt Damon, of course, his longtime friend and production company partner, Artists Equity, uh, are going to make an upcoming movie about the Air Jordan brand. And that aligns with his business's mission. Interesting. That caught my attention, of course, as you might suspect and content marketing and all the kinds of things that um, are matters there. The Hollywood duo, uh, the article says, is trying to change how the industry pays film crews, providing fair and equitable compensation to everyone involved, while also making movies that are of high quality and have commercial appeal. Basically, it mirrors many of the themes that we're working with around the way we look at celebrities, said uh, Affleck, um, and he was interviewed for the New York Times deal book. Basically, Affleck and Damon announced earlier that their new company, backed by a minimum of $100 million in financing from Redbird Capital, is going to create all this wonderful new content and have a new sort of equity-based payment uh, structure uh, that are going to be, you know, handling everything from streaming to all, all kinds of things in terms of the way that this company is structured. Interesting, I thought, fascinating. And the first thing I thought of was United Artists. 
Um, and for those of you who don't have a history in Hollywood and how the production companies came about, uh, back in 1918, Charlie Chaplin uh, basically was having lots and lots of problems with all of the productions and couldn't get the projects he wanted to get made made, couldn't get the big studios at the time. So he teamed up with Mary Pickford, uh, who, of course, was the equivalent female star of the time, and Douglas Fairbanks, another big star, and they formed a company that would become known as United Artists, which you may have heard of because it lasted into uh, the 70s. Um, and the interesting thing was with United Artists, it was almost exactly what we're talking about here. United Artists in the 20s was a response to the way that creators were getting paid, that they were under contract, that it was these onerous contracts. They couldn't get their projects made, and they wanted an independent company where artists were responsible for the content. And I just thought it was the similarities were fascinating and striking to me. The interesting thing here, and this is, I guess, the commentary part, was it didn't work very well. Um, and the reason it didn't work very well was because it's really hard to get a bunch of artists in one room and all agree on a business plan. Um, and they had the exact same problems because everybody was required to make like five movies a year and you were supposed to pitch and you were supposed to contribute and you were supposed to have this wonderful egalitarian sort of thing where you would, you know, be equals and, you know, star in each other's movies. And of course, that's not the way artists work um, and it's not the way businesses work. And so a lot of arguments happened, a lot of infighting happened, people quit, people came in, came out. And the company really was not financially terribly well successful, ultimately. And then it was bought and sold like four times. And then the model completely changed back to the traditional model. So I just think it's really interesting to see in this day and age, Affleck and Damon trying to do something very similar. I think it can work in this day and age, but I think there's a real cautionary tale to look at here. And I'm just fascinated with this business model to see if they can actually truly make this into a new kind of creator-driven company or if it's just not possible. So I just yeah. thought it was interesting. I think you're, it's not, not totally the same, but the Taylor Swift moment with Ticketmaster where you get a call on, hey, you need a creator, musician, in this case, driven ticketing system. I think you're going to see more artists that have more power and more of a platform being able to... Uh, leverage these types of things. So I, I, I think we're in, again, one of those patterns where we're going to see more and more of this happen. I, and I'm curious to see how it ends up. So Yeah, absolutely. So. 100%. Where, uh, where you got next uh, week? Oh, yeah, we week, were just talking say. about it before. Oh, you're going out I'm of town. Going, you're yeah. going. Uh, I'll be in uh, Belgium, Brussels, Belgium. I'm speaking at the BAM Congress. I'm very excited about this next week. So I haven't been to Brussels in years. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing many of my European friends out there. So I'll be making that trip over the pond. How about you, sir? Uh, I am uh, home. It's raining here, which is lovely. We're happy about that. And then I'm off for my anniversary this, uh, this coming weekend. Yeah, 30 Congratulations. years. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And we're going to go out and get a couple of days away from the world and, and go hide away up in the mountains uh, and, you know, do what married couples do after 30 years, which is not a lot. <laughs> so... <laughs> There is that. Um, well, so, that yes, is, that is, that is quite a number. Uh, so congratulations yeah. to both of you. 
Thank you very much for that. All right, well, that's it, folks. We will see you again next week. And just remember, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. See you next week on This Old Marketing.